Gilad. Lauren? Gilad, do you ever have a voice phone call and then think, this really could have just been a video call? Literally never. That is the appropriate response. What if I told you that, unfortunately, even more video chat apps are coming your way? I would ask if we could take this conversation to text, I guess. Uh, unfortunately, we can't do that because this is a podcast. Um, <laughs> oh, we're oh, recording this? Yeah, and we are on video. Oh, why, my gosh. Which is why. Oh, I, yeah, there I am. Yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah, we should talk about this. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Gadget Lab. I'm Lauren Good. I'm a senior writer at Wired. And as you can probably tell by our intro, my usual podcast co-host, Michael Calori, is not here this week. He's taking a much-deserved vacation. He's out in the woods. He doesn't have cell service. Or maybe he's just slacking off. But... Wow. (laughs) Had to start with a dad joke. But filling in as my co-host for the next couple of episodes is the one and only Galad Edelman, my fellow senior writer here at Wired. Hey, Galad. Thanks for joining me. Hello. Thanks for having me. It's really exciting to have you In honor of podcast dad, um, Kalori, who's out, I have not had any uh, animal products to eat so far today. Really? Yeah. That's pretty amazing. How long are you going to keep that up for? Uh, until right after the podcast. Okay, great. I'm sure Mike appreciates any effort you're making. All right, so we made a joke earlier about slacking off, and that's because today we're talking about something that we use every single day here at Wired, and I'm sure a lot of you do too. I'm talking about Slack, the workplace messaging service. Slack has really come to define our work lives, especially over the past couple of years when a lot of us desk workers were working from home. Slack is now its own verb. People say like, he slacked me or just slack it to me. Um, It's one of these apps that shapes office culture. It sometimes gets people into trouble, uh, but generally it enables us to communicate a little bit better when we're not all in the same office or in our case newsroom. So, There's this feature on Slack called Huddles. It launched last year, and this lets you spontaneously join an audio call with anyone in your Slack workspace. And now there is a new, new feature in Huddles. And Galat, are you ready for this? Hang on one second. Okay. It's Zoom. Slack Zoom. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. It's not actually Zoom. They didn't merge? This is not an integration. They didn't merge. I feel like we're going to get sued if you (laughs) let that previous claim stand. Right. Let's just be clear. Zoom is now not part of the Salesforce family, which is inevitably what the blog would say if there was an acquisition. But I'm saying it's Zoom because it's like the Zoomification of Slack. Slack is turning huddles into what they're calling a co-working space, and it's going to have video chatting. So, Galad, what are your thoughts on this? I think I need to know a little bit more how it works. Like, have you gotten to play with this feature? I haven't, actually. I've gotten a briefing with Slack. The feature is not going to be rolling out to Slack users until the fall. I did see some GIFs, though. So that's like using it, right? Definitely. Definitely. So I I, I guess my question is like, so you can have you can be in a Slack with one person or a group. You can if you then hit the huddle thing. Now, suddenly you're all basically joining a call and it's just it's like a conference call, but it's just in Slack where you already are. It's not quite like that. Okay, so first of all, I should note that Slack does already have a video chatting feature. That's been around for at least five or six years at this point. Wait, really? Yes, but it's kind of like hidden within Slack. Like not a lot of people use it, but, but apparently it's there. So I could video chat you now, but for whatever reason, people were just 
not using that as much as huddles. Like one, because maybe because the icon is actually a phone icon. It isn't, it isn't like a, like a, yeah. I know the way I'm looking at it yeah. right now, it's not like a it's video a phone. camera. It's literally it's a, a phone. phone. Yeah. It's like, why would you think that's a video? So maybe it's something about the prioritization here where it's actually huddle is, is positioned above the option of a video meeting, but also it could just be that people see the, you know, have a quick audio discussion with your team sounds a lot better and more efficient than doing yet another video conference. But for whatever reason, people weren't really using that as much as huddles and people really liked huddles. Slack said that huddles is the fastest adopted feature they've had since Slack started as a company nine years ago. Wow. Like 44% of their, you know, Fortune 100 clients People who pay like lots of money for monthly access to Slack are using huddles. It is kind of funny. It's Mm -hmm. kind of funny how it's like they replaced a lot of, you know, what used what once upon a time were phone calls or like, you know, walk across the office and talk to someone with text based conversations. And then their huge innovation was, oh, what if you could actually talk to somebody? What if you could actually just hear someone's voice? What if you could have a quick huddle, right? And so now with this new update that's going to be rolling out in the fall, which I have not yet had a chance to play with. They're going to be turning huddles into what they call a co-working space, except they swear that like that initial sort of interaction of like tap the phone icon, start a huddle is still going to be there because they want to try to keep it lightweight and simplistic. But then when you're in the huddle, you're going to see some sort of option to the side that's like, do you want to turn this into a co-working space? And then you're going to have the option to start a video chat, share screens, and not just one screen at a time, but multiple screens at a time, which actually sounds rather chaotic, Um, (laughs) have emoji reactions. So you could like send someone a heart if you like what they're saying during a call a huddle and then it would like float on the screen or whatnot or confetti or whatever the thing is and then if you decide to start a chat log during the huddle um the chat log and any documents you share as part of that log will automatically be stored in a channel or dm um so that it's there to access after your call so it like it, it really does feel like the zoomification of slack mm. huddles interesting well i mean i think it, it the the screen sharing thing seems like a an important part of that um, because there's not that many reasons to have a video conversation when audio would do. Uh, having to look at some sh- some thing together is one of them. Another one I was thinking about is if there's just a lot of people, it can be hard to do an audio only call, a uh, conference call, because you just sort of people keep interrupting each other and there's no visual cue where you can tell somebody's trying to like be the next person to say something, which you do get from video. Um, yeah, I mean, this this actually makes total sense because like Zoom, getting somebody into a Zoom remains a little bit clunky. So I don't know how it is at other workplaces, but we have to log into um, like our backend thing and then find the Zoom app and then create the meeting and then you got to send the link. And then it's just like, it's not the most seamless thing. And I can imagine if you're already talking to people, just being able to jump from there into a video would make it feel a little bit less painful. Pal, I got to tell you about calendar integrations for Zoom. A calendar, we're going to get to recommendations, you know, as the last part of the show per usual, but calendar integrations will change your life because you can just create a calendar appointment and then add a video conference and a Zoom link is automatically generated for you. Just an FYI. Okay. Well, I'm not going to, I don't want to spoil the recommendations part, so I won't okay. respond to that. Okay. <laughs> so I'm still a little bit confused though. You say there's already video in Slack. So I, I'm not sure I've quite pinned down what the new thing is here. It's really this idea that they're sort of collating all of these features into one space. Like, I think that they're trying to ride the 
wave of momentum. Is that like, am I combining two different phrases there? They're trying to ride the wave. They're trying to- A wave can be made out of momentum. That's fine. A wave does have momentum from a physics perspective. They're trying to ride that wave of huddles and how quickly their customers are adapting huddles to say like, oh, hey, while you're here, while you're clicking on this button, while you're starting this quick, super efficient audio chat, why don't you check out all this other stuff that we have? And I spoke to an analyst about this, um, someone who you know covers enterprise software and employee communication software. And what it really feels like is Slack is kind of towing the line between being what Slack is and what Slack is really good at, which is just like rapid real-time chats and being like a full-fledged video conferencing system. They're sort of tiptoeing in that direction. They're saying, hey, we now have a co-working suite. We now have a co-working software feature that we're offering you, but they're not quite, you know, going full-fledged into Zoom, uh, WebEx, um, Microsoft Teams, because once you get into that market, you're competing with some really, really big giants. And not only are you competing with really big giants, but you kind of have to like maintain that software and start to offer all of the other tools and services that your big enterprise clients are going to want. And that's just like a lot of work. Now, we should mention that Slack is now a part of Salesforce, right? Salesforce of the Salesforce Tower in San Francisco. It was a huge deal last year. It was a $28 billion acquisition when Salesforce bought Slack. Salesforce is known for their, you know, their sales management software that they sell to enterprises all over the world. And so it's possible at some point that Slack does move more and more towards becoming that suite, that big bloated enterprise software suite that's being offered, uh, you know, to businesses all around the world. Um, but it does, you know, for now it's just kind of like inching towards offering more of those services by like turning this really kind of fun, lightweight, hey, let's just have a quick chat in our Slack app into something that's like, honestly, just very jargony. <laughs> well, this, from the beginning, Slack had pretty grand ambitions to be more than just uh, a chat platform. I, I went back and reread a 2014 profile of Slack's founder that Wired published, uh, written by Matt Honan. And he talks about wanting, to, wanting Slack to become the new Microsoft and be a place where it's not just messaging, but where people are going to be collaborating on documents together and sort of doing, you know, all the stuff that that employees rely on various different software applications to do. So in that sense, this feels like a step in that direction where you're just bringing more and more functions uh, within Slack. And it's also, I think, they're competing with Microsoft Teams, uh, right? A lot of workplaces use Teams and Teams is out in front with the the video integration. So it seems like a natural step in that competition as well. It's funny. I, I feel like I never use Teams unless I'm taking a meeting with Microsoft. Hmm. Do you use Teams a lot? No. I'm trying to think <laughs> of if I ever have. I think, um, yeah, maybe my la my last workplace maybe used Teams because we were on uh, Outlook, and uh, but like pretty quickly switched to Zoom. <laughs> I like don't Sorry. know how to respond. To Sorry, that. teams. No, it's a, you suck. <laughs> no, it's kind of funny because it's same with I want to say same with Google Meet, whatever. I don't know what Google calls its things these days. I think it's still Meet, but people use that a little bit more frequently than they do Teams. But yeah, yeah mostly it's like 
I have a meeting with Google, I'm going to be using me. I have a meeting with Microsoft, I'm going to be using Teams. I once took a Teams meeting, a series of Teams meetings, just to figure out how to get um, a VR headset set up so I could like run some instance of software that Microsoft wanted me to try and like boy, was it a disaster. If there was like ever any, I wrote a story about it and I said to Michael, like our pal and my editor, I was like, I can't write this story and not mention how ridiculous this process was because if this is supposed to be the future of work, I don't want this future. It was so hard to just join a meeting and not because of just teams, because of the process of getting into VR. Um, and um, I, I was like, I, I really would just like want a phone call right now. I just want a phone call, which is what Huddles offers in mm. Slack. But now, now, now we're going to see if it ends up being a little bit bloated. Time will tell, as we like to say. That's right. All right. Thank you for your insights. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and we're going to slack off some more. And maybe, just maybe, I'm going to give Galad a little space to rant. Okay, so before the break, we talked a little bit about how Slack's latest updates to Huddles, one of its fast-growing features, um, how that might change our work environments. We also talked about how this might compare to Zoom, which is a fair comparison. But overall, it might feel like the last thing anyone needs these days is yet another video chat app for work. (laughs) I really had to take some dramatic pauses there. Aren't we totally Zoomed out? I feel Zoomed out. So I wanted to open this part of the podcast up, Galad, because I wanted us to share our frustrations with these exhausting apps. And I thought maybe we'd call it emotional tech support. I'm here for you. Tell me how you feel. (laughs) Um, Well, we're in a Zoom now. um, (laughs) And we are collaborating with a shared Google Doc. And we were slacking earlier today. And uh, I feel like I have a presence on a lot of different platforms. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it, it has become banal at this point to complain about Zoom fatigue. It is kind of remarkable. I was just thinking about how very early in the pandemic, I um, did I, I interviewed uh, an academic researcher who I didn't know. But it was a COVID-related story, uh, and we we talked via Zoom. And I thought, gosh, this is so great. I can see this guy. It's just wow. What a good tool this is compared to a, f- a phone call. And now I'm like, was I? Hi, was I like having a psychotic break when I thought that? Because now, in the vast majority of cases, I'm just like, a phone call would be lovely. I mean, in in part because when you're like when you're ha- trying to have a conversation, the 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 zoom aspect, the video aspect can be very distracting. I mean, you're distracted by your own appearance potentially or your own background. You can be distracted by their appearance and their background. And there's something actually intensely focusing, I find, uh, about just an audio call. I, I do think there are exceptions. There are times when it feels helpful to see someone, especially if as a, you know, we're writers. So we like mm-hmm. our use case for this is a little bit different, um, maybe from most uh, white collar workers. But, you know, certainly there's times when you actually want to know what somebody looks like uh, because you might actually want to write about that when you're doing the story, obviously. Um and then the other the other time is just, as I mentioned before, when there's bigger groups, I sort of grudgingly accept the value of the video call just because at least you can kind of keep track of who's talking, mm-hmm. which seems like a small thing, but it's actually pretty important when you're trying to have a large meeting of people talking. And I think I think that 
more than anything might be why uh, Zoom meetings are so sticky because they do kind of solve that prop, that very basic problem of like, wait, who's talking? Yeah. And the hand raising emoji is really helpful too for that kind of thing. Um, so that people can indicate that they want to speak next. And it's not just people stepping all over each other like they might on a, a conference call, phone call, or even in a, uh, an in-person meeting room. Right. Another reason I resent uh, video meetings is that I love to take phone calls uh, while walking. Uh, mm-hmm. You can't always do this because sometimes you actually need to be writing stuff down or you know looking at stuff together. But I, I, I'm a big fan of the walk and talk, uh, which obviously doesn't work when you're supposed to be staring into your uh, laptop camera. So mm-hmm. if something can just be a phone call and I can go get, you know, go get 4,000 steps and we also, you know, hash some ideas out, that's kind of my sweet spot. See, I don't like the walking phone call um, mostly because I really love taking notes during mm. meetings. And so I like being able to either type something quickly or just sit down with an old-fashioned notebook and pen. But I do respect your love of the walking phone call. And I have been on the receiving end of those before and they're delightful. I feel like I'm always like, how's Berkeley? And you're like, quiet. I'm like, cool, (laughs) moving on. Um, No, it's, hey, wait a minute. I (laughs) praise its beautiful weather and incredible flora. (laughs) And I really appreciate that you're in Berkeley. I appreciate that when you moved to the Bay Area, you were like, I'm going full Bay Area. I'm moving to Berkeley. Um, One of the things that I still feel like I'm not totally used to with Zoom, and at this point, it's, it's my own fault. It's like the surprise executive on the Zoom call. Like I should just be presentable if I think there's even a possibility of there being a video component of a call. Um, and I guess so I guess maybe this happens more on things like meets or other types of meetings where like you're or a WebEx or something where you're like, huh, this could just be a group of people talking. But I like during the pandemic, I'm pretty sure I took I know I did. I took a video call with Al Gore in my pajamas. Like I'm still, (laughs) Al Gore is not thinking about this. He probably doesn't even remember this conversation, but I showed up for- Depends on the pajamas. A a video meeting. I was wearing pajama bottoms, which you could not see. I was sitting on my couch and I was wearing, I was wearing a very old sweater. Like I was wearing the kind of sweater that people write about in breakup songs when they're like my old Mm. sweater. Like, you know, (laughs) it was ratty. And and like, I'm pretty sure my hair was in a bun and I'm all like, oh, hello, um, Mr. Sir Vice President. You know, like I was like, oh, my God, I cannot believe this is a video call. Um, And I should have learned my lesson then. But since then, it has happened at least two other times. Actually, one of the times that I popped onto a video meeting and there was this surprise executive, I was I was dressed for the office. So that was good. But another time recently, I popped on and the the company was like, look, we have brought this person onto the call to answer your questions. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Um, So, yeah, I got to I got to get better about this. Mm. I say this as I'm like I'm wearing like a really sweaty shirt that I wore to the gym this morning. (laughs) Even though even though. I'm the chief executive of Condé Nast. And you are. You are. I should have anticipated. I should have yeah. anticipated that, like, Surprise. perhaps, you know, Roger Lynch or Anna Wintour would want to just hop on this yeah. podcast taping. Um, and I'm I'm never, yeah, I'm, like, never ready for it. Um, so I think there should be, but I think there should be clearer communication when something is actually going to be video versus, let's say, one of our lightweight little huddles. Do you have any uh, feature ideas? Like, if you were Slack queen for a day or Zoom queen I, for a day? I have one high level serious idea and and then I have like sort of a joking one, but I still think could be awesome. useful, which is high level if I were queen queen of Slack or 
Zoom for the day. Um, I would encourage everyone to read Clive Thompson's essay, which I shared on my Twitter this week, um, about maximum viable product, um, which um, he, he sort of explains what he means by that. But the crux of it is so many product teams now um, just keep packing some of our favorite uh, most useful applications with features. Feature bloat happens really fast. Um, they become unusable. And some of the best apps for productivity and whatnot are like actually still really streamlined. And so consider that. I would say to the product team, like consider that as you're building out Slack, as you're building out Zoom. You know, Zoom recently came under fire for um, in the future saying it was going to do like some kind of like voice tone tracking, like emotion tracking. And like, why? Why? <laughs> right? Like just know when to stop. That's my high level. And then my little micro suggestion would be there should be a Slack bot that just every so often pops up and says, just go outside. <laughs> just go outside. Now, if you are not able to always go outside or perhaps um, you have accessibility issues or whatever, you know, like I want to acknowledge that not everyone can just get up and go for a jog outside, right? But like, but I think it is a good idea to have the occasional reminder to step away from the screen and go get some sunlight and breathe in some fresh air and just step away from the screen. That's what I, that's why I'm all about the walk and talk, Lauren. Fair enough. It all comes back to the walk and talk. It does. Did you come up with anything else? Uh, actually, uh, yeah, I, I, I recall that, that like one dark side to Slack, of course, is that like there's a danger in putting everything in writing that might otherwise have been a phone call. And spoken like a true lawyer. Yeah, and, and a tech reporter for that matter. Um, <laughs> and you know, our employer has access to our Slack conversations, and that's terrifying. And um, I think it'd be cool for I can imagine um, most employers not going for this, but cool enlightened employers being okay with like a disappearing messages feature or like a, an auto delete after you know three months or something. Because of course there are times when you want to go back and be like, wait, weren't we talking? We were slacking about this. What 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 was that? Or like, what was that link? So I wouldn't necessarily want Slack to go full Snapchat on me, but you know, it's a little bit creepy to think that just all these conversations we're having are just piling up uh, and are the property of our employer. Fair enough. I like that. So basically, Snapchat meets Slack. Something in between, yeah. Snack. Snack. Yeah. Slap chat. Slap. Slap chat. Slap chat. I like that. We could do a little viral marketing campaign where we give people slap bracelets. Snack is also a good name for something. It probably already is a startup, but. Well, I think we have to wait for our friend Michael Calori to come back and weigh in on that since mm, he is point. Snack Fight. All right. This has been really fun. Let's take another quick break and then we're going to come back with our recommendations. Glad I'm a little afraid to ask you. I'm a little afraid, but I'm looking forward to it too because your recommendations are usually off the wall. What's your recommendation this week? It's not off the wall. So first of all, I already threw out the walk and talk as a freebie, so we won't even count that as a recommendation, but that's just a little bonus one. Okay. Um, my my recommendation this week, as, as many of my past recommendations have been, is cooking related. So for a long time, I wanted to get a saucier, which is a kind of pan. It's... It's kind of like a cross between a saucepan and a saute pan uh, where it's it has high walls, um, but it's sloped so that it, it's not like the right angles that you get with like a soup pot. 
And these are useful, as the name suggests, for making sauce because they have a bigger surface area than a high wall than a straight walled um, saucepan. But you can also use them more like a uh, more like you would use a frying pan as well. So they're very versatile. Uh, but when I was looking for them, they were really expensive. And then I realized that the same exact pan is sold at much cheaper prices under the title Chef's Pan. So I bought a <laughs> Cuisinart one for like 30 bucks <laughs> and uh, it's fantastic. So I recommend if you if you like cooking at home, especially if you like making, um, well, sauces, soups, um, things that combine liquid and solid ingredients, um, definitely go get yourself a chef's pan. What's the finish on the pan? Uh, right. Good question. This is it nonstick? Nonstick. Okay. And what is your favorite thing that you've cooked with it so far? One thing that it's really good for is there's a way of cooking pasta where you cook it in, you cover the pasta in just enough water to cook it, um, but no more. And so as it cooks down, the water thickens with the starch from the pasta and becomes the base for your sauce. So basically what you can, you can, this is a great application of a, of the chef's pan or the saucier. So cook your whatever that you're going to have with the pasta, vegetables, sausage, whatever sauce, cook that in the pan, pour it into a bowl, set it aside, then pour it in your pasta, just cover it with boiling water, cook it down for, you know, 10 minutes or whatever. And at the end, you have just this hyper starchy, small amount of liquid. And then when you pour your vegetables or, or meat or whatever back in and mix it all around and dump in some Parmesan, you get this really nice textured sauce. I'm getting super hungry listening to you describe this. <laughs> well, luckily, luckily, it's about to be lunchtime. Uh, thank you for that recommendation. That's great. Yeah, my pleasure. What's your recommendation this week? Oh, I have to bring us back to Slack. I'm sorry. Oh, right, 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 yeah. right. I actually have a reminder about this one. Okay, so I just discovered this the other day while going deeper into Slack's features. You must, you must, you must use the calendar chatbot in Slack. Um, so I'm using GCal. And I've connected my GCal with Slack. This requires permissions like every other darn app. Like, you know, it's like we need your social security number and naming rights <laughs> right. to your firstborn child. And right. okay, it's not quite that level, but right. there are But it some gets permission to read and edit everything in your calendar. Exactly. Exactly. So now, congratulations, Slack. You can edit my dentist appointments. But then the Slack mm. bot, when Wait, you Lauren, calendars are ex actually extremely revealing. Oh, no, no, they are. They are. I'm just saying, it's like not just your That's, dentist appointment. You know, you might there might be some sensitive stuff in there about where you go, who you're meeting with, when you're doing it. So, huh. sorry, sorry. This is just pri me on my privacy soapbox. I'm so sorry. Hmm. Carry on. Now I have regrets about recommending this. <laughs> <laughs> you're making me question everything in my life. <laughs> um, um, well, it's not like I have like a track record of signing up for every single app and leaving digital footprints everywhere I go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I only wrote a story about it. Um, okay. All right. So let's just say you're willing to throw privacy out the window. Thank you a lot for ringing the alarm bells on that. You should check out the calendar chatbot in Slack because 
every morning when you sign on to Slack, it's going to rattle off your calendar appointments for you in like a separate little Slack chat or DM. Um, it's going to remind you a few minutes before those calendar appointments pop up again. And then this is the best part, I think. It also automatically puts up that little calendar logo next to your name when you're in a meeting. And I really like this. Like it's, I'm looking at my Slack right now and it's, it says in a meeting with a calendar logo. I didn't put that up there. That was done by the Slack bot because the Slack bot saw on my calendar that we were taping this podcast during that time. So um, goes back a little bit to my pet peeve about a lack of really useful way messages or way, uh, way messages that people actually um, pay attention to. But this will at least put up some sign of the fact that you are in a meeting and it does it for you as you pop into the meeting. So yeah. Also, my, my second recommendation would be just leave Slack channels that you're not participating in. Mm. Just leave them. Say goodbye. Don't think twice about it. Leave anything that's not sparking joy. I can also, as, as, a, as an intermediary step from that, if there's channels that you only occasionally want to look at for some reason, you can um, completely silence them so that they're always faded and even, and you may only get a notification if somebody mentions you. But I found that as a good way to kind of declutter without completely leaving channels that I every like, you know, five months might jump into for some reason. It's a good idea. Thank you. Well, hopefully this podcast has sparked joy and not trepidation about our video conferencing future. Um, Galad, thank you so much for co-hosting this episode with me. Anytime. And thanks for that great pasta recommendation, too. I'm more excited about the pasta than the chef's pan. I'm not going to lie. Well, why not both? Why not both? Thanks to all of you for listening, for spending the precious time that you could have been on yet another video conference and instead listening to our show. If you have feedback, you can find all of us on Twitter. Just check the show notes. Uh, Galad will be back to co-host with me again next week. And I'm very excited about that. Woo-hoo! Our producer is the excellent Boone Ashworth. Goodbye for now. We'll be back next week. Hi, everyone. Michael from Gadget Lab here. I want to tell you about our friends over at The Big Take Podcast from Bloomberg News. Each weekday, they bring you one important story from their global newsroom, like how AI will upend your life or why China's targeting the U.S. dollar and maybe how Joe Biden plans to take on Donald Trump. Oh, boy. Check out The Big Take, a daily podcast from Bloomberg, wherever you listen.